The debt limit has hit, there's no agreement on spending caps, and they're still futzing over the border wall. Just another week on Capitol Hill as we hear from Bloomberg Government Editorial Director Lauren Duggan. And I guess the debt ceiling having been reached now officially doesn't make any immediate effect on Congress, though, does it? It doesn't. So what we had in effect was a suspension of the debt limit until March 1st. And then on March 2nd, it snapped back into effect, taking into account all the borrowing that had happened during the period it was suspended. So I haven't seen the exact number, but it's somewhere in the neighborhood of 21.9 or $22 trillion, which is the, the total debt that's outstanding subject to the debt limit now. So a lot of money there. It doesn't mean that the government has to stop doing anything it can to finance operations. There are these tools called extraordinary measures that the Treasury Department uses to keep cash flowing and to make sure that bills are being paid during the period that Congress figures out what to do next with the debt limit. Um, These extraordinary measures are nothing new. It's like suspending the investment of some of the TSPG fund money or or looking at the ways that other funds are invested over time. Um, This toolkit is pretty well known, um, and we've seen it in the past, of course. So, um, you know, we're, we're waiting to see what happens next in Congress, though, because they have to decide do they want to do another suspension? Do they want to set a new dollar target? Or are there some other strategies they want to employ here um, to keep the government um, afloat and borrowing money into the future? Yeah, I remember once reaching a parking garage and having forgotten my wallet, I scrounged for all the quarters that were floating around the car and came up with 12 bucks worth. And I didn't have a cent on me, but at least I could park and go to the event I was going to. Luckily, it had an open bar. But uh, what about spending caps? That's a related but different issue that the Congress has got to debate pretty soon, too. That's right. And they could be related or they could be separate. But as we know, deadlines in Congress often force action on other things. And when there's multiple deadlines and they converge, it can force action fairly quickly or at least um, at least force action at some point. So the spending caps um, for next year are going back to the levels prescribed by the Budget Control Act. That's lower than the amount of money that Congress just handed out for fiscal 2019. So unless there's some sort of action, there'd be about $126 billion less available for fiscal 2020 to spend. Now, what happens from here is unclear. The administration doesn't want to increase non-defense spending. In fact, they'd like to cut it a little bit. And they've talked about holding the line on defense spending at least to the cap, but then using overseas contingency operations funding, OCO or war funds, if you will, to spend an even higher amount. Um, Congress isn't probably going to go along with that. The budget committee chairman on the Senate side, Mike Enzi, has said there probably will have to be increases to both defense and non-defense. Democrats are going to seek increases on both sides. And so we're probably looking at another showdown between Congress and the administration on this. Now we're also waiting to get the budget request from the White House that shows what their overall strategy here is, not just how much they want in total, but where they want to allocate the money that they're getting and where they want to make some cuts to try and make their numbers work out. So once that budget request gets up to Capitol Hill and lawmakers on both sides of the aisle have a chance to tear it apart, we might get a clearer picture of um, exactly what the contours of this debate are. But you could see a deal in the future that includes a debt limit suspension or increase and some sort of increase to the spending caps, because those two things will need to be dealt with at some point. Appropriators would like the budget cap debate to be over as quickly as possible, because it's really hard to write 12 individual spending bills if you don't know what that eventual total is that you're trying to write your bills to. Yeah, so the same government shutdown that put off the debt ceiling by a few weeks also put off the submission of the budget request from the administration. So it's coming out, what, I think next week, but that's a month late. 
that's a month late, and it's not exactly clear what we're going to get when it comes out. It could just be a very high-level overview, maybe the total departmental levels, and then we'll have to wait for some of the details, that thick appendix book that they print and put out that holds, has all the real details of how the money would be allocated to different departments and agencies. Um, but um, that is late, at least a month late, and um, we could be waiting another few weeks to get the rest of those details. But um, Capitol Hill will take, I, I'm assuming, whatever they have available at the time to begin holding some of these hearings and begin doing the work that they need to do to budget and appropriate money for fiscal 2020. We're speaking with Bloomberg Government Editorial Director Lauren Duggan. So is that why this week then the House is just not doing anything budget-wise but instead working on their H1, I guess they call it, uh, the election campaign, finance, ethics and all this kind of stuff uh, and, uh, and hearings on the administration? Yes. I mean, we've been so focused this year on the budget that we kind of forget that there's more to Congress than just budgeting and appropriating. And this bill, H.R. 1, signifying how important it is to the Democratic caucus, was introduced right at the start of the year, a package of campaign finance and election administration changes and also some ethics provisions that they're putting forward as kind of their For the People Act is what they're calling it. Um, And it's kind of a hodgepodge of provisions that deals with all those issue areas. It was referred to I think something like eight or nine different committees, but only one of them actually had a markup on it. The House Administration Committee had one last week, party line, six to three vote, and they're planning to put it on the floor for up to three days of debate. So probably an opportunity for a lot of members to offer their ideas to how to change the bill. Now, some of the stuff that's in here is making Election Day a federal work holiday so that federal workers could go and vote. Um, There are changes to the way that registration works. There are more disclosures for some campaign finance, um, some of the some of the details of campaign finance. And then um, a provision I'm sure will get a lot of attention is requiring presidents and vice presidents to release 10 years of their tax returns. So a lot of stuff in here, a lot of things that's going to provoke um, some partisan debate, to be sure, and probably a wide-ranging debate. And does that bill have a Senate counterpart? And otherwise, what will the Senate be concerned with in the coming week? It doesn't have a Senate counterpart, and in fact, it has Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, who has used several of his opening day floor speeches to go after individual elements of that bill. So this might be a bill that gets through the House, but probably hits a brick wall over in the Senate. Now, some of the individual components, could those get pulled out and perhaps gain some traction on the other side? We'll be watching to see that. Um, But overall, nothing is likely to move, at least in that big form of H.R. 1 in the Senate. The Senate has four more nominations on um, on the on-deck circle for this week. Three of them are judicial nominees to circuit courts. And then the last one is former Representative John Fleming to take a spot at the Commerce Department. Okay. And they did get a, they did confirm the EPA administrator last week. So I guess the cabinet is uh, at the top level is nearly filled out at this point. It is. I think we're waiting for the Interior Secretary to get That's his right. confirmation process underway. And then we still don't have a full-time Defense Secretary. We have an Acting Secretary, Patrick Shanahan, um, who's been in the job since Mattis um, resigned and left early. Um, and so we're waiting to see if he becomes the full-time replacement or someone else is named. Um, but there are still a number of lower-level positions that are still open, and the judiciary still has a number of vacancies. And those nominees are going to remain in the spotlight on the Senate agenda in the weeks to come. And we are still waiting to see if there will be a change in the rules to shorten the debate time for those nominations, um, which is something Mitch McConnell and Rules Chairman Roy Blunt are looking at to try to expedite um, their ability to churn through that list of nominees. And the administration did send over legislative language 
that presumably could be stuck into the defense authorization bills for 2020 on creation of that Space Force. So that might be something they could debate. Absolutely, could debate it. And I'm sure as the NDAA process rolls along and the appropriations process, they'll be looking very closely at Space Force, which has kind of a mixed reception and in Capitol Hill, as we've seen over the last couple of years. Lauren Duggan is editorial director of Bloomberg Government. Thanks so much. Thank you. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One.